This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen along with you. Alzheimer's disease and other dementias gradually interfere with a person's ability to communicate, such that communicating with a person with Alzheimer's disease requires patience, understanding, and good listening skills. Well, here with more on how to maintain and enhance communication with these patients is Katrina Skevel. She's the Chief Program Officer for the Alzheimer's Association of Central New York. Welcome, Katrina. Thanks for coming in. Thank you so much for inviting me. So communication really changes with individuals with Alzheimer's or any dementia, really. Tell us how. Yeah, changes um, can affect someone with Alzheimer's disease or another dementia. Really, it depends on the individual. Um, The disease typically starts in the hippocampus, which is related to short-term memory. But from there, the disease can really affect any and all parts of the brain, including someone's ability to communicate. Um, So as the disease continues to progress, someone may experience various changes um, in their communication abilities. Tell me some of the characteristics that you might see in terms of beginning to recognize that something is amiss. Sure. One of the uh, most common uh, changes that we do see is difficulty finding the right words. Um, So someone may have a word that's kind of on the tip of their tongue, but they can't come up with it, and it's kind of just hanging in front of them, and and they can't seem to find that word. Um, Another example might be someone actually making up words. Um, So for example, instead of calling a watch a watch, they may actually call it a hand clock and get a little, um, you know, describe the object rather than actually come up with the word. Someone else may have um, easily lose their train of thought. Um, They may get distracted more in having conversation. They may also be much more repetitious. And slowly, as the disease continues to progress, they may actually speak less often. A lot of people actually do identify these changes in themselves and therefore will remove themselves from these situations and conversing a lot with individuals. So to be able to I mean, as this progresses, obviously it has to have an interfere not just with communication but with relationship in Mm -hmm. a way. And it's sometimes probably hard to know what the person means or it seems like it's probably very trying for the individual who's trying to communicate with the person as well in knowing exactly what all this means. What is the person really meaning to say? Mm -hmm. What are they really – is there an emotional component underlying it? Um, So – What would you suggest that people who are trying to communicate regularly with people with Alzheimer's or or other dementias do? I mean, what are the, let's kind of go through what are the critical things? I mean, obviously, I mentioned in the introduction that patience Mm -hmm. is very important here. Tell us more Mm -hmm. about that. Well, you alluded to it that um, communication really changes for both the person with the disease as well as their caregivers and their friends and family members. If you think about communicating on an everyday basis, a lot of times we have miscommunications, even with individuals who don't have the disease. So when you add the extra component, it really can be very challenging and trying in in certain situations. So, you know, I think, first of all, the, the number one thing I first say is not to make any assumptions. Just because someone has Alzheimer's disease, it doesn't mean they're going to to have the level of difficulty that you may expect. Um, someone actually may still be able to articulate their words very well, even though they're having some challenges in other areas um, related to men- memory and so forth. So if someone is um, having challenges communicating their words and actually articulating their words, that also doesn't mean that they're going to have difficulty understanding you. 
So it kind of can be, you know, on either side. They may have um, difficulty with the comprehension or they may have difficulty with the articulation. But again, I always say don't actually make assumptions related to that. Um, and then certainly there's a number of different um, basic strategies that we can go over right now. Um, you know, I think just we'll kind of start from early, middle to late stage because that's generally how we talk about the progression of the disease. Um, so in the early stages, I already mentioned, don't many, make any assumptions. Um, certainly don't exclude an individual from conversations. You still want to encourage them to communicate and speak directly to the person. Again, even if they're having some difficulties, um, we want to make sure we uphold that integrity of that conversation and um, talk directly to them. Um, always give the person time to respond. Um, it may take them a little bit longer to process the information. So it's good to state your question or your um, statement and then let that sink in for the person before you actually respect a response back. Um, so patience sounds to me to be a major factor mm -hmm. here that you really I think that maybe one's own anxiety mm -hmm. in communicating with someone with a problem might make you move quickly to either fill in a word or um, answer for them or um, maybe not even communicate with them fully. But the idea here is if you can give them space and time and you are patient in your interaction, that, that gives the person the respect and the opportunity Absolutely. to perhaps do things at the best of at the, to their fullest ability. Absolutely. Um, and again, if you allow them that time, then that's really setting them up for success. With a lot of these tips, it actually probably will seem like a lot of common sense when we say, well, give them some more time. Um, you know, breaking your conversation down into smaller steps. So don't ask them five questions at once. Ask them one question at a time so that they can comprehend the question, think of a response, and then respond back. It also strikes me that there are some there are some tendencies that we might have, again, I think probably f as a result of our own anxiety in talking to someone who is somewhat communicationally impaired, communicatively impaired, um, or even this idea of see the anxiety that stems from seeing a person who was able to have the mm -hmm. full use of their faculties now don't, that I think people will do things like perhaps correct mm -hmm. or criticize or argue about a point. Mm -hmm. And obviously those are not things you want to be doing. Correct. Um, and actually, you know, as the disease begins to progress into the middle stages where someone may be having more difficulties with communication, that's a really, really big point. Um, we encourage people not to correct the individual, not to argue with the individual. Um, and that's because whatever the person is experiencing in their reality truly is their reality. Um, you mentioned respect earlier. You know, we if we are correcting that person that's constantly just reminding them, oh, you're wrong or you said it inaccurately. And really, it doesn't usually matter if they're recounting um, a series of events in the exact appropriate order. Um, you know, we used the example one time um, at one of our education programs that, you know, if someone says, oh, I had 25 kids. And the, the daughter's looking at the woman saying, you didn't have 25 kids. There was only five of us. Well, does it really matter to correct her in saying, no, you only had five? No, 
now. It's whatever she is remembering. You know, maybe the five kids felt like 25 kids, right? Um, or maybe she's actually recalling all of her grandkids and her great-grandkids too. So again, that's just kind of a, a simple example. We don't need to correct that all of the time. And I think, but what I was trying to get is, I think, and from my own experience as well, that it kind of sometimes stems from an anxiety that you have mm -hmm. in dealing with a person mm -hmm. because it's hard to see them Absolutely. failing where they were once capable and now they're showing that they're less capable and so I think that anxiety maybe pushes you to do things that absolutely. what you're really counseling is very important not to do absolutely um how about things like um encouraging unspoken communication in other words just basically um if you don't understand what somebody is being said maybe ask them to point or to gesture mm -hmm if that's a, a successful way of getting there. Is that a reasonable thing to do? Yes. Uh, Nonverbal communication is extremely important, especially as someone um, is having more difficulty with the verbal side of communication. So pointing, gesturing is can be very, very beneficial, not only for you to understand as a caregiver, but also for the person with the disease to understand what you're talking about. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm Linda Cohen along with Katrina Skebel from the Central New York chapter of the Alzheimer's Association, and we're talking about how to maintain effective communication with individuals with Alzheimer's. So ongoing communication is really, really crucial. So as you've begun to illuminate these for us, tell us a little bit more specifically some techniques. I mean, is it important, for example, to identify yourself when you're talking to someone? Tell, give us a, a kind of a little to-do list or something. Help sure. us with that. Um, well, identifying yourself is always a great place to start, um, especially even if you're just coming into the room. If the person is having some difficulties recognizing you, just gently remind them who you are. Um, it's also important to approach the person from the front. Um, you may startle them if you're approaching them from the back. Um, they may also not see you when you're starting to talk to them. So make sure they're looking at you before you begin having that conversation. Um, it can also be helpful to get down to, to eye level with them. Again, make sure that they're engaged with you. And also make sure that there's limited distractions going on around you. If the TV is on, it can be helpful to turn it off, turn the radio off, um, and other, limit any other sort of distractions, especially if you're looking for that full, meaningful engagement of conversation. How about the length of your sentences? Mm. You mentioned before you don't want to ask five questions, but yes. how about even if you're making a statement? Um, it's always best to kind of make things a little bit shorter. Um, make sure that you do articulate your words as well. Um, in some cases, it can be helpful to turn questions into statements. So rather than say, um, do you want to go outside for a walk? Say, let's go outside for a walk um, and, and kind of turn it into, again, that statement. Um, you know, if you do ask a question, it can be helpful to ask in a yes or no fashion. Um, so rather than what do you want to drink today? Well, there's a lot of options someone could come up with. So instead say... Or not be able to come up with. Exactly. Um, so instead say, would you like some coffee? Um, and kind of a help there. It can also be helpful to not utilize pronouns. So rather than say, put that over there say, um, put the cup on the table. The person may have difficulty interpreting what pronouns are actually being used for. It's interesting because in some ways, I, my background is a speech and language pathologist mm -hmm. and I worked with children developing language and many of the things that you're saying, well, they do follow 
but in, in, in the case of trying to get a child to develop more options for language, you might actually use, you know, use more, mm. uh, you illuminate more and you actually use lengthier things than mm -hmm. just simplifying. You would rather try to amplify rather than just simplify. And here what you're doing is drilling down to the simplest, most concrete mm -hmm. ways of communicating that are possible. So even things like turning a negative, potential negative statement into a positive statement, like saying, instead of saying, don't go there, you may say, let's go here. Yes. yes. So there's a lot of similarities there too. Absolutely. Um, how about writing things down? Does that help for people who are having communication problems verbally? Yeah, writing things down. Um, also using pictures. So labeling, um, you know, various parts of the house or the home. Um, you know, for example, putting a picture of a, a glass on the cupboard that has all of the glasses in it for um, drinking water and so forth. Um, that can be really helpful. Um, part of communication, too, is that someone may have difficulty reading and writing. So again, we can't assume what the person is having struggle, struggles with. So try every different avenue. Try all of these things and see what works best for, for your loved one. And it sounds to me like one of the things you're saying all along is this notion of respect and being mm. aware of the tone of yes. your communication. It should be calm, patient, reassuring, and not judgmental or frustrated if possible, yes. in terms of that whole interaction. Well, what would you recommend? Because since obviously all these changes in a person require a great deal of care and coordination mm -hmm. for a family, what's your overall recommendation in a little bit of time we have left? Sure. You know, overall, I, I think you highlighted patients. Um, you know, really people have to begin to modify their expectations. And, um, you know, people without the disease are really the ones who have to change their techniques and their style. You know, this disease changes a person's abilities. So um, we have to kind of work with it and, and be adaptive to what's going on to um, meet the needs of everyone. And what are the kinds of resources for families today? You know, I'm so glad you asked that because, um, you know, being from the Alzheimer's Association, there is a number of resources that we can help families with in, in this um, situation. And whether it be communications or maybe they're having difficulties with various behaviors or wandering, um, I'd really encourage people to reach out to um, their local Alzheimer's Association chapter. We have a number of education programs that we offer. We actually have one just on communication alone, um, as well as support groups. Um, and most importantly, we do have a 24-hour helpline number so that if people have these questions or if they're feeling very frustrated because of these challenges, they can reach out to us at any time at that number. Well, thank you so much for coming in, Katrina. This is very, very helpful information. My guest has been Katrina Skevel. She's the, the Chief Program Officer for the Alzheimer's Association of Central New York. I'm Linda Cohen. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air.